So we are on lesson nine of our winter quarter, and the title of the lesson is Making Known What We Know of God. As Psalms were going through our Psalm 101 to 106, we will concentrate on Psalm 102 and 103. So Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, the Psalms are very intimate, very personal. Uh, this one, Psalm 102 talks about a man who's very ill, and, you know, that happens to us sometimes, and so we pray that we can learn how to handle it when we go through things like that. In Jesus' name, amen. So it skips Psalm 101. So one verse that I liked is Psalm 101.3, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not fasten its grip on me. That's a good thing to remember when you're watching the TV. I will set no worthless thing before my eyes because there's a lot of worthless things on TV and worse than worth worthless. Yeah, the news can be... Well, no, it's it's become we our world is becoming very worldly and it's hard to live in, you know. If you want to uh, attempt to be pure, so section A is distressed in body, broken in spirit, and that is verses one through eleven of Psalm one o two. So I'll read that section. This is a prayer of the afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. So this guy is afflicted. It says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. In the day when I call, answer me quickly, for my days have been consumed in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat my bread. Because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I, res I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I have become like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who deride me have used my name as a curse. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I wither away like grass. So how does that sound? So in verses 1 and 2, the psalmist appealed to the Lord in five different ways. He said, do not hide your face from me, incline your ear to me, answer me quickly, let my cry for help come to you, hear my prayer. What might have been the reason for the psalmist's repeating of his request? Yeah, I mean, have you been ill? Acute, acutely or chronically, yes. Yeah, diabetes is a chronic illness, right? 
But we can get acutely ill, too, with infectious illnesses and things like that, which make us feel terrible. So how do illnesses affect your relationship with God? Do they affect your relationship with God in being sick? How does being sick affect your relationship with God? Yeah, sometimes it makes you a little desperate, <laughs> doesn't it? It can make you, especially in the acute illnesses, you know, the chronic illnesses, after a while you kind of get used to putting up with them. And, uh, you know, they can go bad at times. And I've had times where my blood sugar went down. And I'm praying very strongly with the Lord because I can feel the effects of it. And I don't like it. Yeah, it tends to make you uh, seek the Lord more strongly when, I mean, you need help. So verse 3 through 5, what are the psalmist symptoms in these verses? He says, My days have been consumed in smoke. My bones have been scorched like a hearth. What does that sound like? Bones scorched like a hearth. Sounds like fever, doesn't it? Sounds like fever. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. I forget to eat my bread. So one of those things is anorexia, or a loss of appetite, which happens when you're ill. Yeah, and depression. Depression can make you lose your appetite, too. Yeah. Because of the loudness of my groaning, that sounds like he's in pain, doesn't it? My bones cling to my flesh, so what is that? He's lost weight. He has weight loss, my bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican in the waste places. He has loneliness. Pelican in the wilderness, an owl of the waste places. So he lies awake, so he has insomnia also. Um, the Psalms can have figures of speech. The Psalm can have figures of speech, but the Bible we usually interpret literally, unless it doesn't make sense that way. That way you don't make things up. It is God's word, right? So, and on top of being ill, his enemies are against him and reproach him and use his name as a curse in verse 8. So, he's having a bad day. And then, I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping, so that this is how it's affecting him emotionally. It's making him cry. And then verse 10 sounds like it's because of sin. It says, because of your indignation and your wrath. Well, what get, makes God indignant and wrathful? It's sin, right? For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow, and I wither away like grass. So he recognizes that sin is involved in this. So this this guy is having a very bad time. 
And then we go to section B, God reigns forever. So the psalmist is going to turn his eyes away from his own problems and turn his eyes toward the Lord, who is eternal. So and that's verses 12 through 22. Does somebody want to read verses 12 through 22? Psalm 102. Okay, thank you, Shirley. That's it. No, that's it. Yeah. That, so this section is God reigns forever. So verse 12, But you, O Lord, abide forever. So the first 11 verses are the psalmist talking about his situation. Then he turns his eyes to the Lord. But you, O Lord, abide forever, and your name to all generations. So the Lord is eternal. Psalmist is moving from his immediate circumstance to an eternal perspective. And the quarterly says, Whenever we find ourselves mired in despair over life's demands, we do well to pause and consider God. By shifting our attention from our problems to his power, we can take the first step toward coping successfully with our situation. Uh, so that's true. I mean, the Lord gives us hope when things are going badly. So verse 13, you will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her, for the appointed time has come. So that makes you think that this psalm was written after uh, 586 B.C., and probably around 70 years after, because that was the time that Jeremiah gave for the punishment of Judah. Because it says, for the appointed time has come. How can looking to future, to the future help us cope with present pain? What do you think? Right, so you won't pass out and wake up and say, what are all you people doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's something to look forward to greatly. What's that? A resurrected body. Yeah. That doesn't get sick. Doesn't get fevers. You know, you don't have to take 10,000 drugs. Yeah, so anyway, in the future when we have these resurrection bodies, we will have no pills or shots or anything like that. So, and that will, that does lift our spirits, doesn't it? To think about that. Oh, yeah, we, we won't lose pills down the garbage disposal. Right. Off it went, it's skittering, skittering away. Yes. So verse 14, surely your servants find pleasure in her stones. That refers back to Zion, which is another name for Jerusalem. And feel pity for her dust. So the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord has built up Zion. He has appeared in his glory. This is, of course, referring to the millennial kingdom. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. So we're looking forward to the Lord's rebuilding Jerusalem. That's another thing that we can look forward to when we're not feeling good. 
the kingdom to come, which will be miraculous and very uh, prosperous and wonderful. In verses 18 through 22, this will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. So we always want to pass on our faith in the Lord to the next generation. Of course, it's up to them to take it up. They have their own will. And uh, sometimes they'll take it up, sometimes they won't. But it's our responsibility to pass it on. For he looked down from his holy height, from heaven the Lord gazed upon the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to set free those who are doomed to death, that men may tell of the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem, when the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. So in the millennial kingdom, Israel will be the first of the nations. They will be the single superpower. And uh, the other kingdoms will also serve the Lord under Israel. And it will be a utopia, paradise. So the rebuilding of Jerusalem is written, so future generations would praise the Lord. And then this is from the quarterly. It says, have you left things of your spiritual life for your children? Has anybody done that? Uh, consciously, left things about your spiritual life for your children to have later. I have not done that. I have not done that thinking about doing that, but I have all sorts of prayer journals laying around from years. You know, I, I, I write down requests, and then I write down dates and the answer to the request, and I have a lot of those, so... If they are looking around, they may run into those things and find those things. Yeah, you know, because that is evidence of the Lord answering prayer. So anyway, I, I you know, we want to think of things to help our kids grow in the Lord. So that's how the psalmist turned his you know, thoughts away from all his troubles as he thought about the Lord. He thought about the Lord. He thought about his eternality. He thought about the coming kingdom. Um, and it takes his mind off of his problems. So sex, section C, the Lord remains the same. That's verses 23 through 28. And I'll read that part. Verse 23, He has weakened my strength in the way. He has shortened my days. I say, O oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And, and all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. So he is saying that the Lord is shortening his life. 
Verse 23, he, God, has weakened my strength in the way he has shortened my days. Does the Lord shorten people's days sometimes? He does. He does for different reasons. He does for sin, of course. You know, the sin unto death, that's the Lord shortening your life because you just can't be responsible. This is a believer. This happens to a believer who is in sin and refuses to repent. A believer in sin refuses and refuses to repent and just persists uh, may experience the sin unto death. Where the Lord, it's the maximum divine punishment. The Lord will just take you home. Then the Lord will shorten people's lives if they live in uh, very terrible times and they are faithful to the Lord. And judgment is coming. And so to uh, save them from all the you know terrors of these judgments, and that's in Isaiah 57. It says, The righteous man perishes, and no man takes it to heart, and devout men are taken away while no one understands. For the righteous man is taken away from evil. He enters into peace. They rest in their beds, each one who walked in his upright way. Okay, and then the Lord will judge the people around him. So, premature death. You know, and I think you you wonder about King Josiah if that's what happened with him. He he was thirty nine. He died at the age of thirty nine. He was a very good king. He did something crazy going against the king of Egypt, and uh, and he died. <laughs> so I I think the Isaiah passage fits with King Josiah. Because after that, that's when everything happened to the fall of Jerusalem and Judah. In verse 24, the psalmist here prays for an extension of life. He recognizes that the Lord is shortening his days. So verse 24, he says, I say, O my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. So he's asking the Lord to lengthen his life. Because none of us are really too keen on dying. You know, we know that uh, dying is puts us into the presence of the Lord, and it'll be wonderful. We know that. But still, we don't want, we'd rather not. <laughs> That's right. Yes, we would rather not. We would rather stay, um, you know. And But this is what King Hezekiah did. Remember, King Hezekiah had a miracle happen. The Lord defended him against the Assyrians. 185,000 Assyrian soldiers just died outside of Jerusalem overnight because the angel of the Lord, remember, the angel of the Lord is Jesus, killed them in one night. And after that, then Hezekiah got sick. You know, Hezekiah, there was kind of a revival under King Hezekiah. And he celebrated the Passover, and he went and got 
uh, Jews from the northern kingdom that had already been deported. A lot of them mocked him, but there were some who came. And so, you know, he, he was a good king. And then he got sick. And Isaiah told him that he was going to die. He said, get his, he told him to get his affairs in order because he was going to die. This is what Hezekiah did. This is 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. The Lord answered that prayer. The next verses, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And then the Lord, through Isaiah, gave him a medicinal remedy. It says, Then Isaiah said, Take a cake of figs. And they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. So he must have had an abscess, that he's dying from an abscess. And, <clears throat> and the sepsis that comes from an abscess. A cake of figs probably caused it to soften and rupture, I'm, I'm thinking, and drain. That, that is how the Lord chose to heal Hezekiah at that time. And he gave him an extra 15 years of life in response to his prayer. So that's what the psalmist is doing here. He says, Oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. And we don't have the outcome of this. We don't know the outcome of the prayer of the psalmist, really. You know, it's up to the Lord whether he answers that prayer or not. And remember, if we do die and we know the Lord, now if we die and we don't know the Lord, that's bad. <laughs> because then we go into Hades, conscious torment, waiting for the lake of fire. So we, you know... If people are sick and they don't know the Lord, they're in trouble. They need to turn to Jesus right away. Um, but if you know the Lord and you're going to die, you know it's going to be marvelous while you're waiting for your resurrection body. So verse 25, Of old you founded the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish. So the creation is very long-lasting, but it is not eternal. The creation is not eternal. You know, the physicists talk about um, that the universe is going to end in heat, death, and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I read a book about that, and I thought, gosh, that was extremely depressing. <laughs> 
Heat death is when there's no movement. When all the energy gradients have run down and everything is at the same temperature and there's no, no energy for anything to move, that's heat death. And, uh, you know, that's what the secular physicists say is going to happen to the universe. It will run down, there will be no energy gradients, everything will be dead. Heat death. And, um, you know, we know that the creation does not end that way. The creation ends in a big bang. Fire, right? This creation is going to be destroyed by fire. So the big bang didn't happen at the beginning. It's going to happen at the end. At the beginning, God spoke. And the creation leaped into existence. But the creation is very long-lasting, but the creator is eternal and has no end. And then also, so verse 27 says, But you, God, are the same. He's always the same. And your years will not come to an end. So every day you go to God, he's always the same. He's perfect. And he never is unperfect. And so when you go to him, it's always the same. He's perfect. <laughs> you know? And uh, what's interesting is verse 28, the children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. So the creation will perish. Back in verse 25, it says, you founded the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish. But... The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you, and God is eternal. So, believers also will be eternal. Is that our spirit or our soul? It's our spirit and our resurrected body. So, it's us, it's us physically. We will be eternal in physical resurrected bodies in the new heavens and the new earth, which has no sin. The new heavens and the new earth will never be touched by sin. Yeah, our, our, our spirit is what, you know, our immaterial part is what is with us now. It was with us when we were born. So we were not eternal in the past. We had a point when we started, and that was our conception. When mom and dad you know, got a little frisky. And we had our conception, and we started. But once a human being starts, they do not end. The soul, the immaterial part, the physical body ends. But the Lord will put it into a resurrection body, and that is true whether you're a believer or not. The unbeliever will be resurrected into a, an eternal body that will be able to tolerate the lake of fire. And they'll never get out of it. Because the Bible talks about us being in Adam. Yeah. We're in Adam. We were created in Adam. And Adam, the Lord gave Adam and Eve the ability of reproduction. And so that's why we have the characteristics of our parents, right. our personalities. Right. 
you know, and things like that. That's called the Traducian uh, way of passage of the soul or something like that. And I'd have to look that up. <laughs> uh, Traducian, it means to pass through. And so, um, yeah, you know, the individual is, including their soul, starts at conception. And, uh, but they're passed uh, down from Adam. That's why we all need a Savior. Because that's why we all need a Savior, even as babies, because we are in Adam and Adam is fallen. So, anyway, I forgot what I was talking about. We got off on that rabbit trail, which is a very interesting rabbit trail. There's a question here in the quarterly saying, because you are an eternal being, this is the question from the quarterly, how much of what I am doing with my life has eternal value? How much of what I am doing with my life has eternal value? You know, we need to think about those things. That's why we are involved in the church, because the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth, and God's Word is eternal. And so if we're involved in God's Word and sharing that with other people, you know, that includes the gospel. We share the gospel with people. That's how they are saved. And we share other parts of God's Word with believers to grow. That's eternal. That's eternally valuable. And so those are the things that matter. Okay, so that's it for Psalm 102. Now we're moving on section D to praise for many blessings. But yeah, yeah, I look forward to the new body. You know, I like my body good enough. But I look forward to one that doesn't need pills. Okay, does somebody want to read Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5? 1 through 5. Short and sweet. Yeah, so Psalm 103, 1, this is David wrote this. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. A call to praise God. So remember, what are we made for? Our purpose, our purpose is to glorify God. And so part of the glorifying God is to bless the Lord. And that's one of the reasons we come to church. We come to church to worship. And we do that with song, with a song. That's one of the ways we do that. You know. Yeah, so first David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, praise his holy name. And then he tells why. Why he's blessing the Lord in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits. So he says he's blessing the Lord because the Lord gives him benefits. What are these benefits? Verse 3, he pardons all our iniquities. 
How does he pardon all our iniquities? Through Jesus, right? He pardons all our iniquities through Jesus. Jesus is the sin bearer. He took away our sin. Dane makes the point um, that, you know, Jesus, the difference between atonement and propitiation. Um, atonement is a cover for sin, which is what the uh, Old Testament sacrifices did. They would atone for sin. And there's, you know, talks about the doctrine of atonement, what, you know, that Jesus did. But what he did that the Old Testament sacrifices could not do was propitiate sin, which means take them away. And uh, propitiation talks about absorbing the wrath of God. He absorbed the wrath of God and satisfied the wrath of God against sin. And so he takes the sin our sin away. So notice that that's the first one in this list. Without that, everything else really doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. And then the next thing he does, he heals all your diseases. Has the Lord healed some diseases for you? He's healed quite a few for me, you know. And some like, you know, Vicky and I have a chronic one that doesn't get healed, but it gets managed. And um, and the Lord was involved in that. Then verse 4, who redeems your life from the pit. So, he either redeems your life from hell or from a premature death. Crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. All right. Now, have we felt the loving kindness and compassion of God? Yeah. You know, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's the reason he did that. That's the reason the father gave the son. That's the reason the son went through with it is love. Love for us. Uh, because he knew that we needed that for to have our sins forgiven, or we could not have fellowship. We could not have his loving kindness and compassion. And then in verse 5, he satisfies your ears with good things. And so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And so, yeah, the renewal of the by an eagle, your re renewal of your youth like an eagle. And this is a quote from the quarterly. It says, as believers, we do not need to go through our middle and later years with bitterness, for God is able to keep us youthful in spirit. Our souls need never stop soaring. Uh, the Lord keeps us young at heart you know, if we follow him. Okay, so section E is God's compassion for his people. That is verses 6 through 22. I can read that one. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. 
The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. When the wind has passed over it, it is no more, and its place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So in verse 6, it's speaking of Israel. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He's talking about the oppressed, and then he speaks of Moses. And so the Israelites were oppressed in Egypt. And that was, up until Jesus, was the greatest act of deliverance in history was the exodus from Egypt. Verse 9 is interesting. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. So God's patience is long-suffering, but it is not infinite. You know, that goes back to what God said in Genesis 6 about the striving. Yeah, Genesis 6, verse 3, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh, nevertheless his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. So the Lord gave a time clock on the pre-flood world of a hundred and twenty years to get in the boat. <laughs> you know, get in the boat. But, you know, only eight did that. So, the, yeah, the Lord will not always strive with a person. You know, basically, you have your lifetime. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, convicts you of sin and righteousness and judgment that whole time. And after that time, he's not going to strive with you forever. He'll say, okay, you can have what you want. You know, you don't have to take my gift if you don't want it. You can have what you want. And so... You have to deal with your sin personally then. He, you know, it's not infinite. We, we think because God is eternal, we think that his striving with us is infinite, but it's not. You know, he gives us a certain amount of time, and he does all sorts of things to convince us that we need Jesus, we need his forgiveness, 
um, but he won't force it, and eventually he'll stop. He'll say, okay, and give you your own way. <clears throat> and those people become his enemies. Verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And that is, you know, very true. Um, his mercy has muted the effect of sin on us, and especially when our sin is confessed. When we confess our sin, the Lord will forgive us. And so our, you know, this is for believers, so our slate with God is clean when we confess. Now, does that mean that all of the ramifications of our sin goes away? No. There's the law of sowing and reaping that is ever-present. And uh, so this is from the quarterly. You know, our sins, when we confess them, there is an immeasurable distance that sin is separated from forgiven sinners. It's like the distance from east to west. However, our sins may continue to have a harmful effect on us after they have been forgiven. But in terms of our account with God, they are utterly gone. Yeah, we, you know, we still have to deal with the wreckage that sin has caused. Yeah, verse 12, as far as this east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, you can't, that's like an infinite distance. That's the propitiation that Jesus supplies. The sin is removed. Anything else about that? Psalm 103? At the end of that psalm, it talks about the angels, the holy angels who obey the voice of his word. Then bless the Lord, all you his hosts, which could be angels or people, you who serve him doing his will. You know, that's what we pray for. We pray for God's kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The holy angels perform God's will perfectly. When the Lord says, do something, they say, yes, sir, and they do it. And, uh, you know, God's will is perfectly performed, and that is always perfect. You know, that's like everything, you know. That's why the Lord is always this, he's unchanging, because it's always perfect. <laughs> you go to the Lord, it's always perfect. You know, the way he rules over the angels is perfect. And eventually, that will be the same for us. That's the eternal state. That's not the millennial kingdom. The millennial kingdom still has some sin. There is some sin. Much less sin. But in the eternal state, everything will be perfect. So... They left out Psalm 104, 105, and 106, so I just went through and took a couple of verses from each one. Psalm 104, 27, the creation, including us, are dependent on God for our sustaining. They all wait for you to give them their food in due season. You give it to them, they gather it up. You open your hand, they are satisfied with good. 
You hide your face, they are dismayed. You take away their spirit, they expire and return to their dust. Even in the eternal state, when we're perfected, we will be dependent on God for sustaining us. Psalm 105, verses 2 and 3, Sing to him, sing praises to him, speak of all his wonder, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. So worship is fun for us and for the Lord. Psalm 106, verse 8 says, Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make his power known. Everything the Lord does is for the sake of his name, for his glory. And then verse 46 of Psalm 106, he also made them objects of compassion in the presence of all their captors. So if the, this is the Lord disciplining Israel, or like he sent Joseph into prison, but his captors had compassion on Joseph. They saw that the Lord was with Joseph, and they turned over everything to Joseph while he was in prison, or while he was in captivity under Potiphar. Um, and, you know, in Persia, the kings of Persia gave the Jews their favor, through Esther and Mordecai, things like that. The Lord does that. That's all I have. So we're early today. Oh, we're on time. Well, that's early. For us, that's early. Okay. So, Lord, we thank you for, we pray for this psalmist who is feeling bad. Of course, he's long gone now. He's in your presence, probably. Um. But we pray for those that we know who are suffering and have physical problems and things like that. And we pray that you'd help them to turn to you for relief and for encouragement. And we thank you that you will do that for us. In Jesus' name, amen.